I came across a poem this week by um, an Italian poet from the 19th century, Giacomo Leopardi. Um, and the title of the poem is Nomadic Shepherd in Asia. So I guess you just imagine it to be the musings of this wandering shepherd somewhere in Asia. And it's the shepherd talking to the moon because it's nighttime and he's, he's shepherding his sheep. And he's asking the moon questions in this kind of starry night. Uh, and it says this. When I gaze upon you, who mutely stand above the desert plains, which heaven with its far circle but confines, or often when I see you following step by step my flock and me, or watch the stars that shine there in the sky, musing I say within me, why those many lights, that boundless atmosphere, an infinite calm sky? And what is the meaning of this vast solitude? And what am I? I read that it was deeply moving to just imagine the shepherd by himself with just his sheep to talk to and looking up at the heavens and having this moment of, of insight and solitude and yet the desire to be in communion so much that you'd talk to the moon, you know, like you realize that there's someone up there to ask the question, what am I? What is the meaning of all of this? Why this vast atmosphere and these beautiful lights? It made me think of... Um, this moment that stuck in my mind from when I was uh, working for the Forest Service out in Northern California. I was set as a lookout one day on this fire. All the other firefighters were down actually like fighting the fire and I was up on this high point above the valley where the fire was burning, looking down at both this spot on the hill that was on fire, but I could also see for miles and miles, uh, this, the next ridge over was actually a, had a glacier on it and it was still snow, it was the middle of July. And then off to my left up this valley, you could see this creek that came down from a mountain lake and it was probably 10 miles away as the crow flies and I could see it clearly. It was just one of these beautiful days. The smoke was all going in the other direction. And I could see this vast valley and the beauty of it. And all I had to do the whole day was just look down at the fire. And if I saw more smoke than normal, I'd radio the guys, hey, it looks like it's burning hotter. <laughs> so it was a pretty uh, boring job, but I was... Um, I looked down into the valley at one point late in the day and the shadow of the cliff that I was on was really long and it kind of like it went down all the way just miles and miles down the valley down to the creek and I thought to look for my shadow on it so I stood up <laughs> and my shadow was tiny it was barely it was like blurry because I made such a little effect on the sun whereas this cliff that I was standing on was this giant dark spot in the middle of this valley and I had that feeling like the shepherd, like, what am I? <laughs> I'm so little. And it was, but it was like the good kind of alone, where you just have no one to talk to, nothing to think about except this vast solitude you're in. Um, but it was beautiful. It wasn't like sometimes maybe you're alone in your dorm room or something or your apartment and you just like got nothing to do, you're bored and you're like, what am I? What what do I want out of life? And you're just, but you're surrounded by your stuff, you know, not just your stuff, but all of our stuff, the city, the artifice, the everything that we've made, human beings. But when you get out, if you've ever been out just in nature, like the shepherd in the desert or me sitting on this cliff, if you've ever had this, this uh, encounter with God's creation and your smallness in it, uh, it can be a kind of beautiful solitude. It's painful. You, you realize how defenseless you are and how vulnerable you are. 
But in my experience, it's as if God himself is looking at you and saying, I made this all for you. Because what sense would it be to have all this stuff and not have this little Connor standing up there looking at it and saying how beautiful it is and giving God praise for it? If it was all just dumb sheep and rocks, what's the point? Right, so there's something, you, you both realize your smallness and your specialness in moments like that. Um, and it's very beautiful, but it's dizzying. It's kind of like, what's going on? You know, and it, it relativizes all of the things that maybe you think were important. or you know, It's like there's a choice to be made. Um, and it reminds me of this, this rich young man. Because in Mark it says, when the rich young man comes to him, he says, Teacher, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus lists the commandments. And apparently this young man has no problem obeying the commandments. But what he does have a problem is, is trusting in God. And Jesus sees this. And it says, he looked at him and loved him. And then he says, go sell what you have, give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And that's when he goes away sad because he's attached to his possessions. Imagine Jesus looking at you and loving you. You know, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, if you know it's the shortest gospel, it's usually not the one that has nice little details in there. He's just telling the stories. The fact that he puts this in there, Jesus looked at him and loved him. It's as if the whole of reality, Jesus, the Son of God, the Logos, made flesh, is looking him right in the eye and saying, come, follow me. Sell what you have. Give it away. Get rid of your stuff and you will be free. He's saying, enter into this poverty of spirit where you realize you have nothing to lose, where you realize how small you are and what an absurdly beautiful thing it is just to exist at all. And if it were up to you, you wouldn't be here. But because God has made you, because God sees you and loves you and looks at you with love, he has a plan for you. You realize how taken care of you are, how little you are, but how watched over you are. And the rich young man goes away sad, and he says, no, sorry, I can't do it. His face falls, it says. It kind of reminds me of, uh, if you've ever read, read The Little Prince by St. Exupere, that it's a cute little story. Um, the little prince goes to all these planets, and there's different people on the planets or animals. And the fourth planet is the businessman. He sees the businessman, and he's got his head down counting. He's like, three plus four is seven, seven plus three is ten. 10 plus a million is a million, you know, and he, he's just counting and counting. And the little prince says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm counting. I'm counting the star or I'm, count, I'm counting the stars. And he says, why are you counting the stars? He goes, because I own them. And he had, he's like counting for all of the things that he, he's like, what do you mean you, you own them? What, what do you do with them? He's like, nothing. I just own them. And he, he has no time to actually like look up at the stars because he's constantly worried about how many of them he has. Right? It's, it's to like, have a whole of reality staring you right in the face, literally, like the rich young man, and saying no, and missing the whole point. That's why the, the uh, antiphon for the Alleluia, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because the, the poor in spirit know they have nothing to lose. And so when, the, when reality comes and looks them in the eye and says, here's why I made you, come follow after me, they're like, yeah. I'll go have treasure in heaven. But when you realize what you're going to lose and all you can think about is what it's going to cost you to go into life, to follow Jesus, 
then these things cling to you like weights. And the rich young man, it doesn't say if he ever came back and actually followed Jesus. I like to think that maybe he went back, thought about his decision, and was like, actually, I think I might go. You know? And that's the beauty is that we do, we, we do get these decision points all the time. It's not usually one and done. And when you're standing on a cliff and you realize how small you are and you say, thank you, God, I just want to live for you, you might go down back off the hill, get around your stuff again and cling to it once more. I mean, we constantly have to choose to be free, to be poor in spirit, to follow Jesus. But one of the beautiful things about this, this gospel, too, is he doesn't just look at the rich young man and love him. It says, uh, after he goes away, it says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It's like he's just looking at all of us. <laughs> he looked around. Imagine Jesus standing here looking around at you. Right? And then they're astonished because, wait, I thought wealth was good. I thought that's a sign that God blessed you and that you're doing the right thing is that things are working out for you. You have lots of money. Jesus is saying, no, not in that sense. Not if your riches own you. You are not blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So they're ex- he says, it'd be harder for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, or easier for a camel to, to go through the eye of the needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Again, this spiritually rich, this weighed down by, by possession. They were exceedingly astonished and said among themselves, and who can be saved? And it says again, Jesus looked at them and said, for human beings it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. Does he look at you right now? Does he love you? Is the reality of the situation that you are small and vulnerable and defenseless, and yet how absurdly beautiful that you exist? And he sees that, even if sometimes we don't. And he has some purpose for us. He's made us for some fullness, some abundance, that we prefer these shiny things. We prefer to own the stars and actually look up at them and realize how beautiful they are and how the Lord has made them for us. Not to own, but to delight in, as he delights in us. He's made us for this freedom that he invites us to day in and day out. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that he's to be trusted with everything. doesn't mean we have to literally sell what we have. Um, that might not be responsible according to our state in life, but to, to treat, as, treat it as if it doesn't belong to us. To live in the world, but not to be of the world. To give it all to God and trust in him.